Amen. I want to open you. Why don't you get open your Bible? If you have a look with me, and uh, we're going to look at where we were this morning. I want to just pick it up again and just look at it from a different angle. And uh, I want to look at uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, favorite verse. It's got a few verses go before it. We're not going to read all the verses go before it. There's so many of them. And uh, it's a whole Bible full of them. But, but uh, Jesus, actually, Jesus was teaching. And this is what's called the Sermon on the Mount, because he went up on a mountain. He preached a sermon there. And uh, crowds all gathered around. And, uh, and I want to pick up one of the key things. This Sermon on the Mount summarizes the whole way. It's a whole lifestyle. And the Sermon on the Mount, of course, the thing is, they just wrote a summary of what he said because he was there for a long time teaching and that what you read is a summary. It's only what the Holy Ghost wanted you to hear and it summarizes. Like the Lord's Prayer, it summarizes principles and, and, and parts of prayer. So it's all just Part of it. So when we read this, uh, I want us to pick up here in uh, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. We'll pick it a little bit earlier than that. And um, verse, I like in my Bible, how many Bible got, your Bible's got, don't worry, do not worry. Anyone got that in their Bible? Tell someone tonight, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Why should you not worry? Because okay? you've got something uh, that you got, you're sure of. I'm going to talk a little bit about this worry thing. But I want to talk particularly about seeking first the kingdom of God. And therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you eat or drink, what you, about your body, what you put on. Man, I want teenagers worry so much about their clothing. You know what, Jesus got a word for teenagers all worried about their clothing. Don't worry. Don't worry. Eh? Just be yourself. And, uh, and dress up sharp and smart because you won't affect anyone. You'll drive people away otherwise. See? But don't worry about it. Don't spend your life in anxiety, what you eat or drink or what you put on or where you go or what's going to happen today, what's tomorrow. Life's a lot more than food and clothing and all those basic things. And then he said, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow nor reap and, nor gather into barns, but your father feeds them. You're, aren't you more valued than a bird? Anyone here reckon they're more valuable than a bird? Uh, yeah, of course you are. You're a lot more valued than a bird. And God looks after them. And so what he's trying to keep in front of us, three times he tells us in these verses, don't worry. And three times he said, the reason not to worry is because God's looking out for you. God cares about you. God knows about you. God is willing to help you. And what he requires, though, is that you actually choose a lifestyle that positions you for him to touch you. So not all people have that kind of lifestyle. And you've got to choose that. So the, one of the aspects of that lifestyle says is don't worry. Don't let your life be uptight and your mind and your thoughts and your heart be uptight about all the things everyone else is worried about. When we were on the ship, we had uh, just, I couldn't get over. And, of course, an American ship's all set up, heaps of Americans on there. And, and of course, they, you, you'd have loved it. You know, they have about four different dance floors, four different bands right through to just go up the top. And they've got five. They actually only got to four of them. And, uh, but they have them all, you know, and the lights are gone and the noise, and it's all a pumping. Uh, Joy got round to the five. I only got the four. And... <laughs> And, and, uh, and they have it, it's all rocking there. All, every night there's a show on, every night there's something there to go. But one of the things we noticed about the people on there was how anxious they were and how worried they were. We were quite surprised because we're quite adventuresome. You see, we'll go ashore and just push our way through the crowd that are trying to sell you something and then find a local bus, find a local train, find a tram, find some way. Even got on a mule a couple of times. Got some pictures there of us on a mule going up the mount, up the hill on a mule. And uh, we, we're willing to try all those things. I couldn't, uh, you know, some people just won't try any of that stuff. And uh, we, we were quite game to try all that. And one of the things that we found is we talked to people how afraid and anxious they were. But, but what, if someone, what, what if someone lies to you? What, what, if, what if someone cheats you? See, that's yeah, life, you know, just stuff happens. Don't worry about it. But, but the worry had these people so uptight 
that it controlled actually how they behaved on the ship. And then when they went ashore, controlled how they behaved. And I thought, you got all this money, you can go on a cruise, and here you are, you're absolutely uptight when you get ashore. So what they'd do is they'd, they'd pay for these pre-ordered cru- uh, trips, you see. So they arrive in port, and then there's a bus next to the boat. So they get off the ship, and there's a bus, get on the bus, the aircon bus, drive to it, and they've got someone showing them what to do. They don't have to think for themselves, don't have to worry for themselves, don't have to do anything. Just get, see, but it actually reflects a heart that's anxious. And, and we looked around, saw all these faces of people anxious, and they said, well, don't you have any trouble? Do you get lost? Yeah, you'll get lost. Don't worry, we find our way around again. Just ask someone. Uh, but people don't speak language. No, you always find someone who can speak a word of English and point that way and you make sign language and stuff. You always find someone who knows the way to get you back to where you're going to go. And uh, they said, well, aren't you worried about something happened? No, no, it's already happened. And I got pickpocketed in Rome, got done over real good in a train. And, uh, and, and I said, well, you know, I lost my wallet and cards and everything. But, you know, after that, what else is going to happen? And uh, <laughs> what happened again? <laughs> but I wasn't anxious about it all. Just, you know, disappointing and annoying. But, you know, when you actually have high values in your life, you don't need to get worried. We're, we're in one place there. And, uh, and actually there was a – because this is the very thing the Americans would be scared stiff of, you see. But we're in a, in a bus queue. We're just lining up and uh, getting ready to go on this uh, tram, you see. So where there's crowds of people now and ask someone direction, hey, how do you get there? I didn't realize – he was probably the leader of a whole gang of pickpockets. And so I just go, oh, you know, where the hell are we? Which one do we go on? So, oh, number, number five, catch number five. See, so he gets us over to number five and makes sure we get on number five. And I think, well, that's, what a lovely man. <laughs> so helpful, you know. And, uh, and I didn't, you know, there's crowds of people sort of around there. And we're waiting along there. And finally number five comes and he calls out, don't forget number five, number five. What a lovely man. Very helpful, you see. And then, of course, so, so I'm there and, and I was... You know, the, the, the four of us together and, and, uh, and, uh, and Lawrence just a little bit ahead of me. And I just had a hold on his shirt just like that, just to keep, you know, because crowds tend to all throng onto the bus at the same time. And suddenly I'm surrounded by about 10 people, 10 guys. And they all just push and come right around me. And then there's just, I can see Lawrence. He's about just over there, but he's just, I just can't get through to him. And then they all, they all said, don't worry, they're all moving towards this train. He says, they'll move towards the train. And, of course, what they do is they just all clog up the entranceway so they can't shut the doors and it can't move. And then while you're all there with everyone jammed and pushing around, you know, I suddenly thought, oh, these guys are after my wallet. Like, oh, I've got no wallet. You're too late, boys. And, <laughs> so I'm dipped in before. So I just had my hand on my pocket. They had a camera and a phone in it. Just held it like that. And then I could feel someone patting, trying to get into my pockets of the back. So I'm sort of going like this. And <laughs> I just enjoyed, it was just an interesting experience. And I can imagine the Americans being uptight. And, they go, and, uh, and these guys, because the others could see me, but, and they, could, they weren't quite sure what's going on. See, I was having a bit of a, a, bit of a, a fun time. But see, there's the American type. Americans would just be so scared of it all. They're just afraid. But God tells us not to be anxious. Isn't life more than all of those things? Isn't your life more than all of that? How many people here worried a bit in the last week? Come on, you had something you worried about. Yeah, look, see, worry is common to everyone. And how many found that what you worried about and thought might happen never actually happened at all? How many found that? Never really actually happened like that. It's actually true. Have you noticed that all the things you worry might happen never actually happen? But you still worried and lost all that emotional energy and lay there looking at the river, (gasps) wondering what's going to happen. You know, but, you know, when we start to, and Jesus said specifically, that's not how you need to run your life. You don't need to be like everyone else. He said, all the world is exactly like that. It's uptight and worried. 
and they read the papers, get the bad news, and they worry, watch the TV and get the bad news and worry. And so people, and they well, wander around, and they're uptight. Now, I saw, you can see it on people's face. All uptight and what, what? Now, listen, God doesn't want you to be bound with worry and anxiety. He tells us what to do. He said, listen, don't worry. In other words, don't let your mind be caught up with those things that point you worry, but rather let your heart actually have another priority. And he says, when you have this other priority in your life, then he says, all the other things will just come into place just right. But it's your choice, your choice. So let's go through it and read. And I want to pick up and just show you, I was thinking this morning, how would I apply this in my life? So let's go right down here. And he says, uh, verse, uh, now if God clothes the grass of the field, verse 30, which today is and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, won't more he clothe you of little faith? Don't worry. There it is again. Don't worry. Don't worry. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? When you go out to the coffee bar and you're worried what you're going to eat, don't worry. You know, don't worry. Just ask the person, would you buy me something? And what shall we wear? You know, don't worry. Borrow someone. For for after all these things, the unsaved people uh, seek. But your heavenly father knows you need them all. Now, God knows that you have basic needs. So you don't have to tell him about all the things you need. He wants you just to trust him with those things and put something else first. And the dilemma is we put all the wrong things first. Our fears never come about. The other things that we think fair won't happen, never happen. But he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And notice this. He says, all the other things that everyone worried about is just going to fall into your lap. Isn't that good? He said, so when you put God first, when you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, the other things that everyone spend their life being uptight about will just add to you. He said, it'll be added. In other words, when you position yourself right with God and you put his priorities first, what happens is, Things come into your life without you even trying. And that's the bit that people can't understand, that the good things seem to come into your life without you trying or struggling like anyone else. They just come in because it isn't your priority. Now, he doesn't say you don't need these things. He doesn't say you don't need food, you don't need clothes. He doesn't say you need that. He says God knows you have need of all of those things. He said, but they tend to dominate your life. What's dominating your thoughts in your life What are you worried and uptight about right now? He says, look, here's the remedy. He says, put something else first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then the other things just come into your life. Isn't that a good way to live your life? Without being uptight all the time and worried about all the things that could happen, maybe the things that won't happen. Instead of that, we want to see. Now, I want us just to go through this. Verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God. Now, your life is made up of choices. So you made some choices that got you where you are now. Your finances are in a mess, you made bad choices, now you're reaping the consequences. Life is always about choices. You're going to make some choices. Young people, you're going to make choices about your friends. You're going to make choices about course of study. You're going to make choices about uh, who you marry. You're going to make choices about all manner of things, what you do, what career you have. You're going to make all these kind of choices. So many choices. What am I going to do? It's overwhelming when you're a young person. All those things overwhelming. And, of course, what happens is with the pressure of it all, we find it hard to know how to make right choices. And this is what this is all about. Jesus is saying you need to set certain priority in your life. And what I'm going to do is I want to talk to you a little bit about the priority Jesus tells us to set, but specifically just some practical things you can do that actually make this reality in your life. Jesus said first, first. That's the first thing, the first priority. So tomorrow when you get up, this is your first priority. The next day when you get up, it's also your first priority. And if you will keep it your first priority, things will just work out for you. Listen, I, had a, we, I sat beside a girl on an airplane coming from Auckland to Hastings, uh, to Napier. And uh, she was up there at one of these fancy schools that I won't name. And uh, she was up there. And, 
and come from a, quite a wealthy family. And, and uh, so I, I struck up a conversation with her, trying to get her to come to church to our awesome youth group. And uh, so anyway, I just, I made connection a couple of times with her up in the school. One day she rang me up and she says, can you help me? I'm really worried. Worried? Oh, don't worry. And she said, I said, what's the trouble? She said, well, a group of us in the school were drinking. And uh, that's alcohol, that was. And, uh, and, and what's happened is the principal has found out about it. And it's likely everyone will be suspended. And I'm, I'm really terrified of what will happen. And I said, I want you to listen to me and do exactly what I tell you. I said, do exactly what I tell you. I said, is she coming? Has she challenged anyone yet? She said, no, she hasn't. I said, here's what you do. As soon as you hang up the phone, I want you to leave the phone and I want you to go immediately to the principal and own up. I said, I want you just to go straight to the principal. I want you to go to tell them I was one of the girls doing this and this is what I did and just come clean with her. I said, and I said, what will happen is you will be treated better than everyone else. I said, here's the scripture. If we cover our sin, we won't prosper. It's a prin- I didn't say it's the scripture. I said, there's a principle that works in life. I said, if you cover things that you've done wrong, you can't prosper. Eventually get found out and it's real bad for you. But if you confess or come up front with it and then turn away from it, then what happens is you'll experience people's mercy. So I said, what's going to happen is, said, this is a principle of life. So I said, you've got a choice right now. You can cover it up and hope you're going to get through it. I tell you now, you'll be suspended. I said, or you can just listen to my counsel and advice on this one and go straight to the principle and you just come straight up front about it all. So anyway, she rang me the next day. I said, how did it all go? She said, I can't believe it. She says, everyone but me got suspended. She was astonished. And she was commended by the principal for being honest. And she got mercy. She didn't get, she's the only one who didn't get suspended. They say, well, how did you know to tell her that? Well, it's simple. You see, there's certain priorities in life. And when you put God's way of doing things first, things have a way of coming and working out for you. So she was in a panic and stressed out about the possible consequences. And what she did was she positioned herself, even as an unsafe person, she positioned herself for the goodness of God to come around her life. How about that? Oh, own up. Before it's too late, before we find out. <laughs> okay, let's go through the scripture, and I want to share some simple things about it. So life is about priorities. And Jesus said, seek first two things. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and seek his righteousness. Well, easy to know the scripture. What does that mean? The thing is that you seek what you desire. So whatever it is, it's the desire. The strongest desire in your heart, that's what you're going to chase after. So if you've got some young fancy man as the th- biggest thing in your heart, you're going to chase after him. And you see, it won't do you good. It won't do you good. You don't have to. See, let God bring them into your life. You don't have to chase. You shouldn't have to chase. If God is on your case, he's the one who provides, you see. But if you start chasing, you're going to have some troubles. You're going to have many a trouble. Now, listen, you can make some choices. You can choose that the day you get married, you haven't got a bad memory, a bad experience, or a bad deal you've had with a young guy or young woman. Or you can have your mind full of clutter and full of junk and then have a whole hassle of having to sort stuff around. You've got to choose that. I tell you, every time, choose God's way first. It'll always work out the best way. Okay, let's go. To seek you first the kingdom of God. So the first thing is seek the kingdom of God. And, and so what you, you're going to pursue what you really want. 
There are two men in the Bible. One was Jacob. The other was Esau. Jacob was a guy who had, he was a bit of a manipulator, a bit of a cunning man, a bit of a, he didn't always, he was a bit dishonest. Told, he cheated and lied. His name means to twist. So he, he twisted the truth a fair bit, and uh, he was a bit of a cheater. But nevertheless, the one thing he had in his heart that really worked for him was he longed more than anything for God's kingdom and God's blessing in his life. And so in spite of all the things that were wrong in his life, he was valued more by God higher than his brother. And he actually ended up much better off. He ended up blessed by God. Why? Because he put something first in his life. Did he have problems? Sure he had problems. Did he have things that were not right in his life? Sure he did. But he put God first. And when he put God first, the other things God arranged to come right for him. It doesn't always come right in your timing, but it does come right when you keep putting God first. So notice, seek first. So God wants to split a priority, the kingdom. So first of all, two things. Number one, the kingdom. What does the kingdom mean? So the kingdom, whether you could define it different ways. The kingdom is just a place the king rules. So a king owns the land. He, he, has, he, has a, he has a whole realm over which he rules. In other words, what he wants gets done. That's a kingdom. So a kingdom is a territory of land, and what the king wants to get, so his will and his desires and his purposes and his, his way of doing things, they get done. So now listen, God has got a way of doing things. You've got your way. Your mates have got their way. God has got a way. So to seek the kingdom of God first, seek God's way of doing things. Okay? Seek God's way of running your life. Seek God's way of putting your relationships in order. Seek God's way of managing your finances. Seek God's way of doing things. Okay? So... A kingdom, then, is a realm over which a king rules, and, and his will, what he wants to get done, happens. His way of getting things done is what happens. And his, his whole culture of his value system begins to become expressed in the culture in that place. So when you have a kingdom, what the king wants gets done. He's the, he's the one in charge, and you do what he says. So in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, God is a good God. And so kingdom of God is any area over which God's will and order and ways of doing things and value you are systematically bringing into being. Now, in heaven, God's will is done. On the earth, the earth's in rebellion. So you've got to decide whether you join the rebellion or whether you join the ones who are an ambassador of the kingdom. So tomorrow when you get up, you've got to decide, am I joining in the rebellion or am I going to be an ambassador to represent and advance the kingdom? Am I going to be a representative of God and advance his way of doing things? Or am I going to join the rebellion and do my own thing and do what everyone else is doing? Will I follow the crowd or will I actually follow a higher way? That's your choice. Now, it applies to every area of your life. Think about that. Every area of your life, you're going to have to make a choice. So you're going to join the rebellion. Some of you already joined. Uh, no one can tell you anything. When they tell you something, you get angry. It won't change. Eh? But see, God's way is a good way. See, the Bible says the way of the Lord is perfect. So to, to the kingdom of God, there's any area where God's will and purpose and whatever is being done. In, in Colossians 3, 20, 2, verse 2, it says, this is, it says set, your, <coughs> it said, set your affection or set your mind and your longings to the things which are of God and don't set your affection on the things which are of the earth. Now, what does that mean? Well, of course, I look around and see lots of things I like. I like cars. I like boats. I like jet skis. Well, I like all these things. Now, he's not saying you shouldn't like them or even shouldn't have them. What it says is that the first place in your heart should be the advancement of the kingdom of God in your life. The first place is to have God's orders established in your life, God's way of doing things. So how are you going to find that? How am I going to actually 
seek the kingdom of God. What do I have to do to put this first? Because remember, here's the promise. If I will seek God's kingdom first and his righteousness, I will position myself for God to keep adding and adding and adding and adding and adding in my life. And everything that people worry about, I won't have to worry. It will just literally fall in my plate. How about that? You see, that's, that's, the, that's like a stress-free life, isn't it? And people would want that. People do anything to try and find that, and they can't find it because there's a certain way of getting it, and that is by putting something first in your life. Seek first the kingdom of God. So what kinds of things could I do that would enable me to seek the kingdom of God? I've kind of trying to try to get some things that you could actually do. So here's, here's a few things that you could do. Then I'll talk to you about righteousness because this is a real important one. So how can I seek it? Number one, I reckon one of the first ways we do is we actually establish, first of all, a heart of gratitude and praise to God. Start to be grateful for what you have. Because one of the things is people worry about things they don't have. They worry about stuff they want, worry about what may happen. So one of the first things to do is actually establish a heart where you're grateful for what God has given you. Now, you would find immediately if you start to look around your home and around all the good things you have and start to be grateful to God, you find immediately you position yourself differently for God to move. The Bible says God inhabits praises. God inhabits gratitude. The Bible tells us that with thankfulness and gratitude and praise, we can actually access his presence. And if we can access his presence, then we can find out what he wants to do in our life. So number one, develop a heart of gratitude and, and, thanks and, and praise. So start to be grateful for things. Start to thank people. Thank people. Thank God every day. Like, thank you, Lord. Every day I think, thank you, Jesus, you died on the cross for me. I thank you, Lord, I'm saved. I thank you, Lord, the power of curses are broken. I thank you, I walk in blessing today. I thank you, the life of God is in me. I thank you, I have a destiny. So you start to thank God for all the things I have. Otherwise, you'd be miserable with all the things you don't have. So start to, as I used to say, you know, count your blessing. You know, thank God. Okay, so start thanking God. Now, start thank, thank the people around you. Thank people for what they did. Thank people for helping you. You'd be amazed how everything around you alters if you thank people and thank God. Why is that? Because thanksgiving and gratitude is a part of the whole kingdom culture. So, so one of the things you can do to seek the kingdom of God is to, first of all, develop a heart of gratitude for what you have. Start to be thankful. Here's the second thing is, is pursue the presence of God. Make it your pursuit that you would uh, hunger continually for the presence of God. And that means a prayer life. It means spending time reaching out, not just in thanking him, but starting to open your heart to talk with him and listen to him, to be intimate with God, to open my heart about my life. The Bible says, if you'll be intimate with him and acknowledge him in every way you go, he will direct everything you do. That's not bad. You worried about making decisions? Of us is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your understanding. I have to try to figure it all out. I was with some people today, and they're trying to figure everything out. And I, I just looked at them and I said, what do you really feel in your heart about this matter? And they said, this, this, this. I said, well, that's what you want to do then. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Well, it's very simple. It's in your heart. Just do that. So it's, you're making it all complicated. Life is not complicated. Life can be very simple when we just have a simple trust in God. So hunger for the presence of God. So when you come into meetings, don't just sort of hang around and shuffle around and looking around everyone else, whatever. But let your heart engage the presence and person of God. Begin to picture him as a, as, as a person that you are engaging. Allow your mind and your inner man to reach out, Lord, I'm so hungry for you. I want more of you. You know, fasting is a part of increasing that hunger. If you want the kingdom of God, seek first the king. Because when you get the king, you get everything with it. Eh? Seek the king first. Eh? 
Don't take the gifts of the Spirit. Think the giver. Seek the one who's got it. And when you've got the one who's got it, you get everything that comes with them. See, the thing is, see, the thing is, wherever the king is, that's where the kingdom is. So you've got his presence around your life, then things start to happen. So of all the things we need to uh, uh, hunger for, it's hunger for the presence of God to be tangible in your life. When I worked in the school, the presence of God was tangible in the classroom. How about that? And that affected everyone's work, everyone's performance. Now, that's because I saw that I was an ambassador to bring the presence of God into the room. So therefore, I didn't go in there and saying how bad the school is and how bad the kids are. And you know, Stephen, the kids are Just, God, you, bring, you come. I'm hungry for you to come and touch their lives. And the presence of God coming into a classroom meant kids' hearts were opened, they responded, and they learned. And their success rate went up. The presence of God. It, when, when the king in Egypt looked at Joseph, you know what he found with Joseph? He saw God was with him, and God made everything he do to go well. How did he see it? He didn't see the Spirit of God. He could just see there was something tangibly different about Joseph's life, his countenance, his attitude, his spirit. The presence of God was on him. So how do we seek the kingdom of God? We'll seek the king, seek the presence, seek his spirit. When you come into a meeting like this, flip, you can go to churches all over the place. There's no presence of God there. It's empty and dead. But when you're in a place where the presence of God is, don't take it for granted. Just allow your heart to engage with God. And then when you get up tomorrow, do the same thing. Learn how to engage God. When we run a seminar to teach you how to engage with God, you do it. Learn those things. So you actually become a person who loves and carries the presence of God tangibly. Here's another thing we need to do is study and meditate in the Word of God. You see, this book here contains the whole principles of how the kingdom operates. It actually describes in detail. Now, a lot of you are going to make decisions, and you don't know what to do, but you don't have to actually pray about it because the answer is already in the Bible. So if you read the Bible, you'd actually have a working base to make good decisions. You actually have a working base to make decisions because you're learning the ways of the kingdom. Jesus taught them all. He said, love your enemies. So when someone gets mad at you and gets you all upset, you know what to do. Don't be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. It's not like you have to figure too much out. It's already there if you happen to know the ways of the kingdom. So if you're going to seek the kingdom of God first, you need to seek the king, and then you need to read his book about his kingdom, how it operates. Read Jesus' teaching. Find out what he taught about this. He taught about forgiveness. He taught about relationships. He taught about sexual things. He talked about money. He talked about serving. He talked about destiny. He talked about all kinds of stuff. But if you don't know what he said, well, how, are you actually, how can you say you're really seeking the kingdom of God? If you, if you don't even read the book about how the kingdom operates, how will you know how to live the life you're called to live? How will you be able to fulfill your destiny if, you, if you've got no clue about the land you live in? Now, when, when we went into Italy, I found there's so many. I liked Italy, and I like Spain even better. Spain, I like Spain because they start things at 10 o'clock at night. You know, I like that. They have their meals at 10 o'clock at night, and they're out dancing in the street at 3. Now, I do like that. I really, really like that. Uh, but, you know, not everyone's into that. You know, so, but, but when you go in there, it's just completely different culture. So you go in, and the food's all different. Huh? You know, like here we eat lots of meat. You ever get a pizza, you're lucky if you see any meat in it at all. I think they dragged it through and it was out there. But you get the pizza. And so they go, you know, you are, and, you, and there's sort of a ways of talking and there's all kinds of things that they do there that are different to what we do. And it's not wrong, it's just different. So in the kingdom of heaven, it's different. You've got to find out how they do things differently. And then make what's different in heaven happening in your life. Then you're seeking the kingdom, making a difference with your life. So think about it. Now, you see, in the kingdom of heaven, of course, purity is a big deal. 
you know, in fact, the Bible says holiness is beautiful. It talks about the beauty of holiness. So you see, see a girl, a girl who's, who's pure in her heart and she's kept herself sexually, she's beautiful. You can see it in the eyes, see it in the countenance. You see the beauty inside them. See? But when they've been around, done the yard, you know, it's a different story. You look, it's different. They look different. They look, they've lost something. Because they just didn't do it God's way. Just didn't do it God's way. God's got a great way of doing stuff. And we'll learn his culture. We'll learn his way of doing things. And, uh, and uh, you know, like we were just, we were in Singapore. They asked for directions, you know. And uh, at the post office, where's the post office? And, and of course, you can't get any sense out of them. So he says something like, hey, post office. Oh, yeah, post office. Yeah, yeah, i tell you where it is. See, I'm on to order Coca-Cola, you know. So I said, a Coke. Can I have a Coke? Ah, Coke. You know, Coke. Ah, ah, hey, Coca. Oh, yeah, Coca. Okay, and he got me Coca-Cola. So you just got to know. There's a different way of doing things, you know. So it's the same. everywhere you go, it's like that. There's all these different things that they do. It's, not, it's just different. It's just different. And so uh, you got to, you know, when you go to India, you'll have curry. Or you'll have curry. You'll have chapatis. You'll have curry. You'll eat stuff with your hands. See, it's just all different. See, in the kingdom of heaven, things are different. There's different food to eat. There's different stuff you feed your life on. Different things you value. Different ways you do stuff. So don't try and be like the world. Be like the kingdom. That's where you come from. That's where you're going. That's what you call to advance. If you want to make a difference with your life, then be different. Don't just follow the rest of the crowd. You be different. I'm not going with the crowd. (laughs) I'm valuable to God. You know, I'm an ambassador, you know. I got something different in my life. I don't run with the crowd. I lead them. Now, initially, the crowd. This is what the crowd does. The crowd... First of all, mocks and jeers. And then it gets upset and rejects and isolates. Then it grudgingly respects. And then eventually, one by one, they seek out what makes you different. It's true. It's true. Think <laughs> first again. So there you go. So study meditate in the Word of God. And then apply what you learn to your life. So what are you applying to your life? What things have you learned? I mean, how many have been to church for at least a year? And probably if you came morning and night, you had about a hundred messages. Dear God, did any of them get in and change your life? <laughs> did you do anything? Did you actually take anything and apply it to your life? You've only got, listen, in all the words that are spoken, there'll be something God says to you. You've got to take a note of it. You write it down so you don't forget it. And then you do it. You do it. You do it. Like they say in Nike, just do it. Okay? Just do it. Do it. We saw the temple to Nike over there in, uh, in, uh, in the Middle East. We saw it over the temple to Nike. There it is, the conqueror, the one who conquers. See, so you want to conquer, you've got to overcome, you need to actually do There's some simple things to do. And then here's the last thing. I put, put God's opinions and interests first in your life. Put God's opinions and interests first in your life. One of the things we made a decision years ago was we would always put God's interests first. By God's understanding, I'd never put my own welfare ahead of what it required of me to serve God. I'd always put God's interests first on the basis that if I put his interests first, he will certainly look after me. And has that always worked out easily? No, it hasn't. Sometimes it was a huge sacrifice. Sometimes it really cost me to keep my word. But I saw in the Bible, blessed is the man who, keeps his, who gives his word and when it hurts him and it costs him, he doesn't change. And I realize that he wants to live in the presence of God. It's what you've got to do. So these are principles. These are simple things. You could do that. 
What are you learning? What are you writing? I see some of you got notebooks. Others are like this. Come on now. Get a Bible. Get a notebook. Write something down. Write down what God is talking to me about. Because God wants me to succeed in life. He's going to talk to me. And when he talks to me, I listen and then write it down and then do it. You know? Ed Cole used to say, write it on your shorts so you don't forget. <laughs> Come on. Okay. So here it is. Seek this kingdom of God. There it is. And, and so there it is. Not very hard. Seek the king. Seek his ways. Seek his word. Seek his values. Seek the culture of heaven. And then begin to start to do these things in your life. And that says also seek his righteousness. That's a bit of a harder one. Seek his righteousness. So first of all, uh, sometimes we think, well, that means they seek being a goody, goody person. Now, isn't that? His righteousness means literally having a right standing with God. Seek having a right standing or properly positioned in relationship to God and his authority in your life. Now, a lot of people are not positioned right, and they don't understand why they're not positioned right. Now, there's a couple of ways you can get right with. Uh, there's one way is your own way, and there's the other way is God's way. God's got his own way of doing stuff. In Romans 10 verse 3, it says that Israel all sought their own righteousness. Now, let me just describe what that is. So righteousness is right standing with God. How do I get a right standing with God. Standing means I'm positioned in relationship and cooperation so I can receive and have blessings come in my life. What do I need to do to do that? There are two things. One, I need to be in right standing with God personally himself. And two, I need to have right standing with the people God has placed in my life who have authority to speak into my life. Two things. One, I need to be right with God personally and have a standing with him. And two, I need to actually have a right, be in right standing with the people God has sent to me. Now, we don't mind the first bit. It's the second bit that really hits it. And I'll just give you a couple of scriptures to illustrate. First of all, right standing with God. How can I get in right standing with God? Most people's opinion of how to get right standing with God is to try harder to be a better Christian. And if that's the way you're trying to get in right standing with God, you're having a real problem and you feel guilty and bad and you'll be struggling and you won't feel God's near you. And every day you'll feel condemned. Your faults will haunt you and you'll be in real, you'll have real issues. Here's the reason why, because the way to get right with God is not by doing, it is by believing. I must believe my way into right standing. See, standing with God is given because of what I believe, not because of what I do. So the Bible says a man is not made right with God by working harder or trying harder. A man is made right with God by believing that what Christ did was completely enough to put me in right standing with God. This is faith. Now, this is the platform upon which you can access the power and presence of God. If you don't have that set strongly in your life, you may try hard to be a good person. You'll always feel overwhelmed. What you feel is this. You'll feel continually conscious of your faults. And, and this is because the devil accuses us continually. I won't give a lot on it, but let me just give you a simple couple of things. The Bible says in Romans 10, it says, with your heart you believe to righteousness or right standing with God. So I must believe that what Jesus did was completely enough to make me right with God. So if I've done something wrong, just quickly tell him, turn away from it, and trust that's enough to make me immediately right with God. I must believe that. I must believe that with my heart. And most of you believe with your heart, but actually when it comes to pray, what happens is we don't feel right with God. We feel conscious of something else. 
And the Bible says, you know, to seek first the kingdom, that's God's rule or principles, ways in your life, but also to seek his righteousness. In other words, seek above everything to keep your standing with God because standing is everything. From the place of right standing with God, that's where miracles take place. From the place of right standing with God, that's where I have authority over the devil. From the place of right standing with God, that's where I can work in the gifts of the Spirit. It comes from the place of standing. I must know when I come to go and meet life where I stand with God. Now, one of the easiest or quickest ways I can find out where people are is I just listen to them pray. And the moment I hear them pray, I can usually pick where they're standing with God is. And they'll be either God's way out there and, oh, God, and we're talking to God way, way out there, or you can feel it in the voice. There's a sense of intimacy. Father, I thank you for your presence with me. And you can see it. You hear it in what people say. Another thing is, another way I found easy to identify where it is, is to put you in front of someone to pray and minister to them and to bring something from God to them. Now, the moment you're called on to do that, all of your issues of standing with God will immediately come up. If you know in your heart clearly where you stand with God, it's just a matter of relaxing and listening. God gives you something, you pass it on. You're just a messenger. But when you're not sure of your standing with God, immediately you're called on to bring God to someone. What happens is you start to wrestle inside. Oh, I didn't pray so much today. And I yelled at mom. And, I got, oh, oh. and then suddenly you back off and you don't want to be involved praying. And so you'll cover it maybe by praying some religious prayer. Oh, God, bless them. And that doesn't help them at all. Sounds good, but it doesn't help because it doesn't bring God to the person. So how can I develop my righteousness? Well, it's based on believing in the heart what God says is true. So we know it's by faith. How do I actually get it into my heart? The only way to get it into my heart is to meditate. I need to meditate daily. What do you meditate on? We take a scripture, but you need to create in your mind and heart a picture of the scripture being true. God is with me. I can stand in the presence of God, and I can stand without shame. So I begin to picture and imagine what it is to stand in the presence of God and what it feels like to have nothing around my life that's an issue between us. You meditate on that over and over and over. And meditating on that truth begins to root it in your heart until you suddenly become conscious of the presence of God. You become conscious of your standing with God. And once you've broken through in that area, then every day you can go back to the same place again. Now, most of you as young people, it's normal to struggle with doubts. It's normal to struggle with issues and Normal to feel like I'm ugly today and tomorrow I'm great. Next time I'm ugly again. You know, and there's spots. There's, oh, dear God, you know, it's all these things come around your life. But one of the things most important to do is to keep going back and to keep reestablishing in your heart, I am loved, I am valued, I have a standing with God who has everything I need for life. And this is a, this is a warfare for this. If the devil wants to make you impotent as a Christian, He's only got to do one thing. He's only got to lodge in your heart a doubt about where you stand with God and you will become religious. You will then try to work hard to be a better person rather than I'm already a better person and I thank God for his life. I want to meditate in his presence with me. So right standing with God. Now, you share a lot on that, but that's just enough for you for tonight. You take and think about that and begin to meditate on it.
So how, let me ask you this. How many people regularly when you stand to pray are more conscious really of the issues and things around your life than actually of the presence of God being with you? How many people that's an issue for you? Just put your hand up right now. Come on. Let's come on, be honest. That's right. There are lots, a lot of people. It's a normal, this is normal to struggle with this. And see, what happens is you get driven to try and be a better person. You get guilty. I'll try, try harder and harder and harder. And what happens? You end up striving when God wants you to rest in believing. And belief takes place as you meditate. Think about that. And the last, and the last part then is you need to also position yourself with, with the people God has sent into your life. Now, Jesus said in Matthew 10, I think verse 40, uh, he said, The Father sent me, I send you. He said, if they receive you, they receive me. Now, that's a powerful thing. He's saying, if I send someone to your life and you receive them, it's as good as receiving God. But if I send someone to you and you reject them, it's as good as saying no to God. So who does God send to our life? Well, when Jesus was a 12-year-old, his parents spoke to him and he submitted to them. So parents are one group of people that are God's representatives that speak into your life. You've got to guard your attitude. Okay, think about it. There are other people. God puts church leaders into your life. He puts teachers into your life. He puts civic authorities into your life. Are they all good and do everything right? Not at all. But God allows people to come into your life to represent him. And even if they represent, if they represent him badly, that's their thing. They've got to get sorted out. But what he watches is how you respond. And how you respond has everything to do with your positioning and ability to bring God's authority into the earth. So if you're going to be an ambassador and have make a difference, your attitude to the people God has positioned in your life is essential to standing. Seek first the kingdom. That's God's value system, the life of God, the presence of the king, his ways of doing things, his order for your life. Seek it and apply it. Secondly, seek and pursue to maintain your standing with God. And if you've got the two things sorted out, you're consistently seeking the presence and the ways of God and applying them to your life and seeking to maintain your standing in the spirit before him, then you'll have things added into your life without any problems whatsoever. They will literally start to come into your life because God will add them. So notice what he says, seek those two things. Above everything else, put this first because it's the key to the supernatural coming into your natural life. Many believers struggle without any presence of God, anything unusual happening because they have never really got this thing sorted out in their life of prioritizing God first and my standing with him first and then everything else takes place after that. I can tell you now, now when you're young, you think it doesn't really matter. But as you've had a few years behind your life, the choices you make become apparent. The choices you make, everyone. Right now you're making choices, no one sees them. There'll come a season in your life and we'll look and we'll look at your life and say, boy, what a lot of dumb choices you made. You know, who wants to say that? Well, that's not a smart thing with your life. And you got one life. What, what, what a lot better thing if you were to get to, say, the age of 20, 30, and you look back and say, boy, what some great choices I made. What great things I did with my life. And 40, man, I'm starting to bear the fruit of it. 50, oh man, I've got so many good things coming into my life now. And they're all the result of the great decisions I made when I was a young person. Let's just close our eyes right now. Father, we just thank you. We thank you. We're called to be an ambassador of another nation. An ambassador from heaven. A representative of another culture. 
another value system, another spiritual dimension, another life. My God, help us to realize it in our heart and to position ourselves for those blessings and benefits to flood our life. Lord, I just pray for every person here. Lord, for an increasing revelation of your kingdom. Just while our eyes are closed and heads about, perhaps there's someone here tonight and you've never made the first step of positioning yourself for God to bless your life. That first step is to recognize you run your life without the Lord. That's what the Bible calls sin, just doing our own thing. Some of it's real bad, some of it doesn't look so bad, but it still has the same effect. Jesus came into the world sin in order that he might restore us back to God, in order that he might position us so we could be ambassadors on the earth and have a difference in our community. Our life would have a sense of purpose. We'd begin to start to experience the presence and the power of God. We'd begin to start to make a difference with our life. What a deal. The Bible says, whoever received him, he gave power to become part of the royal family of God. But you've got to receive him and welcome him and acknowledge him. Put your life under his leadership and begin to follow him. That positions you for the blessings that God has for your life.